0: I'm Audrey Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of the San Francisco Chronicle, and you're listening to Fifth Emission. The state of California is looking at a state budget deficit of about $54 billion, meaning the state's expected revenue has shrunk by nearly 10% in just two months. With the state's unemployment rate expected to hit 25%, it doesn't seem like this issue will be getting better anytime soon. On Thursday, Governor Gavin Newsom released his proposal for how to deal with the massive shortfall, and joining me to discuss that plan is Alexi Kosef. So, Alexi, I did not listen to it today, but you were one of just a handful of reporters who was let in on probably one of the most epic budget May revise briefings, (laughs) at least in my memory in California. Give us a little um, idea of what it was like for you today. This was a very different
1: budget uh, press conference experience than I've ever had. And I've been going to these things for about seven years now. But uh, normally, there is a press room in the Capitol where you've got dozens of reporters and cameras and cameramen and staffers all shoved together tight. It's hot and sweaty, and everyone's yelling out their questions to try and get the governor's attention. And this was the exact opposite. They got the auditorium at the Secretary of State Building, which can seat hundreds of people and allowed just nine reporters to come to the event. We were all socially distanced by several rows and we got a number. And one by one, we were allowed to go up to a microphone and ask our question about this big budget proposal that the governor spent. Uh, An hour laying out, and then his finance chief spent another hour going through just so we could understand all the details. I had to wear a mask, I had to get my temperature checked, and uh, worst of all, it was the first time in two months that I've worn a tie, so... (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's the worst part of that? I don't know. <laughs> it all sounds pretty terrible. I mean, we're talking about a 22, 200, excuse me, a $222 billion budget. And I think people don't realize just how difficult in a very short amount of time that we give you because we have deadlines and you need to get something online, how difficult it is to sort through what's important from that. So let's try to break it down for everyone. It seems like a lot of the cuts that the governor is going to be making are in the form of not doing something that he had previously said he w- was passionate about. And I'm thinking of homelessness issues and undocumented, health um, care um, healthcare for undocumented people. So is that a fair characterization of how he's going to find the $54 billion that we need to have a balanced budget? That That's a piece of it for sure. The,
1: coming in January, they were imagining this $222 billion budget, the biggest ever in state history, and that included a $6 billion surplus that gave the governor a lot of wiggle room to play around with his priorities and as you mentioned, put a ton of money into homeless services and affordable housing for homeless people and expand healthcare services, not just for undocumented immigrant seniors, but for um, for homeless people and for disabled Californians. And all of that is out the window now. They just don't have the money to do it. And so flat out, there's just six billion dollars of things that they had wanted to do that they said we can't do anymore.
0: Yeah, that's that's not going to come close. So <laughs> where's the rest of it
1: come right. So then you're starting to look at all of these other kinds of things that you have to do and it's a mix of tapping into reserve accounts that they have, the state as you know we discussed a few days ago the state has this 16 billion dollar rainy day fund which it can use up to half of this year so that gets them, you know, a part of the way. And they have moved money around from different accounts to try and cover some of their shortfalls by using money from special funds, deferring payments, you know, different things like that, um, which is, you know, the more technical side of the budgeting. And then there's the most politically risky move, which is. They have built in an assumption that they're going to be able to get a certain amount of money from a federal stimulus. And if they don't get that, it's going to trigger another $14 billion in cuts, um, which you know could mean um, big cuts to higher education, to the University of California and California State University. It could uh, require a 10% pay cut for state workers. Um, all kinds of reductions to different programs, um, state parks, just all kinds of services that people use. So a huge message from the budget press conference today that was reiterated time and again by the governor was basically pleading with the federal government to give the states and local governments that are hurting so much right
0: now a bailout. Well, and that is... um I I assume, a major reason why we've heard the governor's um, rhetoric towards President Trump and the administration change so radically in the last couple of months, because everybody knows it's really going to be up to... Congress and the president to to help bail out local governments and get them to a more solvent position. The president seems like he's been sort of reticent to do that. He doesn't really want to send a lot of money to a state as blue as California. And this seems like a huge gamble on the part of the governor. There's some hope because the state has gotten
1: money from the first few federal bailouts. I think we've had three now and the state has gotten something like $8 billion from that, that it's able to use to plug some of it, some of this deficit. Um, but, you're right, and it's not just the president. It's also um, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and other Republican leaders who have seen the proposals put forward by Democrats. These multi-trillion-dollar proposals to bail out, uh, you know, governments, and said, "No, that's a non-starter for us. We're not interested in bailing out these poorly managed, democratically run states. Uh, no, thank you." And so. It's not just going to be a matter of convincing the president. It's also going to be a matter of even getting something to his desk through Congress, which might be the hardest, might be an even harder thing to do at this point. You know, Mitch McConnell only has to answer to the constituents in Kentucky, whereas at least President Trump has to think about his reelection prospects and whether a bailout might help his chances in Wisconsin and Michigan and
0: Pennsylvania and those states he needs to win again. Right. And and I realize um at the beginning of this podcast I made an error. I said it was a 20 222 billion dollar budget, but that's what we had anticipated. And now the proposal that the governor put forth on Thursday is only 203 billion. So right. and they've as, tried to minimize like to those say, reductions
1: by by using, you know, these various methods that we've discussed, but it could certainly get smaller than that.
0: Right. So what, one of the ideas that I read about in your story is the governor is um, redirecting some money that had been intended to pay down unfunded pension liabilities. So is this a short-term solution with just massive long-term implications? It seems like this is one of those things where um, we're, we're looking for short-term fixes, but it's just going to be with us for a really long time. The pension debt is an eternal problem for California.
1: It's been looking for how to deal with that for the past decade or so because the Great Recession turned that that into a huge anchor around the state's neck, so to speak. Uh, and, you know, this this. Proposal of the governors to move, you know, more than two billion dollars out of paying down pension debt, and you know, giving it to schools, which is what he wants to do. Uh, it, it's not, it's not delaying any payments that the state would have to make. It's, uh, it's basically reversing a plan to pay down the debt faster. So it would be helpful if we could pay down that debt faster and and you know reduce the costs in the long run by getting more money into those funds but they've decided that the more urgent thing right now is to avoid even deeper cuts that would be felt in the classroom next year if they didn't do that
0: I'm speaking with Alexi Kosif. I want to take a break and we're going to come right back after this Well, let's talk about education funding. It it always seems like it's one of the first things that, um, that gets touched when there's a shortfall, in part because it represents such a huge part of the discretionary parts of the budget. So what can parents and teachers and students expect to happen to their schools as a result of this budget?
1: Yeah, it's a a grim picture. There's a constitutionally mandated funding formula for the general fund portion of the California budget, which is this big discretionary pile of money that comes from your tax revenue. And it says that 40% of all of that funding has to go to schools, essentially. And so when there's less money... Schools automatically get less, too. And unfortunately, they're looking at a shortfall right now of about uh, $15 billion compared to what the state, uh, you know, compared to actually this year. And so the governor is proposing, you know, ways to make that a little bit less bad. Like we mentioned, you know, moving the money from paying down some pension debt. But it's still going to be a multi-billion dollar hit at the moment, and that means that every school district in the state is just going to have less to work with next year when, unfortunately, costs could be even higher because- we're trying to figure out ways to make sure students can go back safely to school, and that could mean higher costs for cleaning supplies and reduced classroom sizes and all kinds of things that are going to make it even more expensive. So we don't know exactly what that will look like yet. A lot of individual districts are going to have to figure that out for themselves, but but the kinds of things that you can see happening are bigger classroom sizes, layoffs of teachers, all the... All the exact kinds of things that you hate to see, you know, for a student's education.
0: Well, and we we know that some of our local school districts were already going into this year with a pretty stark budget outcome. So this seems like it's going to just make everything a lot worse.
1: Yeah, it's it's this is, you know, in terms of pure dollar amount, this is sort of the biggest hit in the budget in any one area because schools are the single biggest piece of the budget and teachers unions are already using this as a rallying cry to pass a ballot measure. That's going to be on the ballot in November. That would um, it would remove some of the protections from proposition 13 for, you know, large commercial, properties and and increase taxes on those in order to raise billions of dollars for local governments and schools uh the governor was asked again today whether he supported that idea and he declined to endorse it again as he has so far it's uh you know something that a lot of local governments would like to see because they need the money and and that's going to be a big fight this fall
0: There also are a lot of ideas in this budget about how they can get more money from taxes. What were some of those issues?
1: Well, the primary one would be uh, making some adjustments, some temporary adjustments to some write-offs and tax credits that businesses get. And for the next few years, they wouldn't be able to write off net operating losses. They would only be able to take up to $5 million in tax credits. And the the governor expects that could uh, provide about $4.5 billion next year and another $5 billion in the two years after that. Um, So again, not enough to close the the budget gap single-handedly, but they're looking for any little place that they can... Um, that they can, you know, find additional revenue. Actually, the uh, that little um, vaping tax that I mentioned a, a few days ago is also it's in there, and it would raise about thirty three million dollars uh, next year, which you know would go towards Medi-Cal, the state's healthcare program for the poor. And again, it's a small amount, but the the state is looking for for any anything it can get.
0: Yeah, that old terrible saying that we hear this time of year is a billion here and a billion there, and pretty soon you're talking about real money. <laughs> uh, one of one of the other things that I think is interesting is this issue of small business assistance. I mean, if we're if we're not going to allow businesses to write off net operating losses, it seems like it has the potential, maybe not to hurt. Um, because my understanding is it wouldn't that wouldn't necessarily apply to small right, businesses, it would not right? Small, Just bigger right, ones. Correct. But but even big businesses right now are struggling a lot. So how does the, how do they square those two ideas of going harder after businesses that we know are are struggling right now?
1: Absolutely. And and you'll see that, you know, business groups are gonna fight this. They're gonna say this is exactly what they don't need at this time. But you know the the state is the state is taking a mindset that basically everyone is gonna have to make some sacrifices right so that's gonna mean you know certain amount of cuts and certain amount of you know sacrifices potentially by businesses that are gonna have to you know pay higher taxes. Uh, that doesn't mean it's actually going to happen, and it could be pretty difficult to to get lawmakers to agree to something like that in a in an election year. Although I would expect, you know, the budget now only needs a simple majority to pass, so um, it's it's you know potentially a little bit easier than than it might otherwise be. But but you're right. I mean, business the business groups' reaction from business groups immediately is is you know, all right, well, there's all kinds of regulations you could be suspending. There's all kinds of red tape you could be cutting to help us get back to, you know, work faster to hire people. Again, let's talk about those. And uh, you didn't see a lot of that in the budget. Is there help for small businesses that are also
0: struggling right now in this budget?
1: That's primarily been something that the federal government has been doing, but the governor did put about 50 million dollars in his proposal to enhance some of those programs for for businesses that didn't qualify for the for the federal programs and it's interesting you you'll you'll see throughout this budget that even as we're talking about these cuts there's certain areas where they're still trying to spend more because they've decided it's a priority right now and that would be one of them another is is wildfire um, you know, wildfire prevention efforts, which obviously have become such a huge issue the last few years. So there's a couple hundred million dollars in the budget to hire more firefighters to, um, you know, expand the oversight of PG and E and other utilities and, um, you know, to do some other things like that, that, that they hope will prevent us from winding up with a, um, you know, a repeat of paradise.
0: I think, I, I don't know if I'm the only news person who thinks this, but I almost cannot wrap my head around the idea of a wildfire season right now. That just seems so scary and overwhelming. Um, and to do it in the middle of a budget crisis seems just, I, I'm choosing not to think about that until we're a little bit closer, yeah, Fair uh, enough. closer to it. Um, Pay cuts, that's another thing that the governor mentioned. Um, this seems to me, you know, when I when I heard your editor say, well, he's also proposing 10% pay cuts across the board, I think I rolled my eyes because that's a hard thing to do in California that has such a strong union-represented uh, workforce. So what are the chances of that happening?
1: You are absolutely right. It is definitely a challenging thing to do. Undertake because all of this is going to have to be negotiated with all of these different unions that individually represent these different employee groups. I think there's a couple dozen across state, you know, hundreds of thousands of state employees. So that's a, you know, that's a pretty complicated thing in and of itself. But um, if the governor doesn't get the kinds of reductions that he wants to see, there are, you know, more. Uh, there's hammers that he can wield involving furloughs and things like that, that I know that unions will want to avoid. So there may be a little bit more willingness to negotiate on this, to try and figure out a way to do it that their members can live with so that it doesn't, you know, become a matter of just losing this many days of work per week or per month.
0: Mm-hmm. And then finally we spoke earlier this week about um some rent stabilization proposals. Did that make it into the governor's version of his budget plan and and where are where are we on that? No, that was that was something
1: put forward by Senate Democrats and This process now is it becomes a negotiation between the legislature and the governor's office, and and they have about a month to do it. So, that's something that they're putting forward to be a part of the conversation. He spoke favorably about the idea. He, you know, he said it was interesting and worth considering, but um, it's obviously not in his own proposal. So, there's no way to say that you know, it's even likely to happen. You know, that's that's just sort of another piece on the table. I mean, all of this, all of this, again, is is a starting point for these discussions, because every single one of these programs that's, you know, set to be cut has an interest group behind it that's going to be advocating lobbying really hard to make sure that they minimize the damage as much as possible. And and they're not wrong. I mean, there's, you know, there's people out there who are suffering, who need these health health programs, who need these social services, you know, who need uh, schools. Right. And and so they're going to be working hard to try and, you know, figure out a way to to avoid the pain as much as possible. And so it's going to be a very complex set of moving pieces over the next few weeks until they come up with something that they can live with, at least for now, by June 15th.
0: Is there any other thing that we haven't discussed that you think your average taxpayer is going to feel as a result of this massive deficit? Well, I think, you know, for
1: the average taxpayer, you know, the the you're going to feel it I mean, everyone is going to feel it because there's cuts in every facet of, of life. You know, the, the government touches on, on everything. So, you know, if you have kids in school, you're going to feel it. If you ride the bus, you're going to feel it because there's transportation cuts. If you, Um, you know, if you like to go to your state parks, you could feel it because there's going to be, you know, operational cuts to, to those potentially, um, you know, there's just no matter what you're going to see it. And it's, um, it's just a matter of how that all shakes out because if the federal government is willing to bail out the state, at least somewhat, then the pain of those is going to be less.
0: Alexi, thank you for enduring that very strange press conference today and coming back to report to us what went on. Thanks a lot. Thank you for having me. I'd like to thank Alexi Kosa for being with me today. Thank you to King Kaufman for producing this episode and thank you for listening. Fifth Admission is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. If you like this podcast, please consider becoming a financial supporter of the largest newsroom in Northern California. You can sign up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod.